Hey there, Greybeardians. Thanks a lot for coming back and listening to another episode of Cybersecurity Greybeard. Last episode, I talked about defensive technologies and tools, and today I'm going to talk about defensive actions. Before that, though, I want to go ahead and thank Cloud Academy for sponsoring this episode and tell you a little bit about them. Cloud Academy has thousands of video courses, learning paths, practical hands-on labs in real-world cloud environments, and tools designed to help teams assess, build, and validate critical cloud skills. If you're looking to get certified, Cloud Academy has dedicated learning paths for security certifications such as Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform, and Microsoft Azure. Whether you're starting out and needing fundamentals or pursuing deeper content such as for architecture or security specialties, Cloud Academy has what you need. Check out their catalog at cloudacademy.com. For limited time, my listeners can lock in 50% off the monthly price for life. Just put in the coupon code BEARD, B-E-A-R-D, when checking out. It's a great way to pursue certifications or just build cloud expertise. Again, go to cloudacademy.com and use the coupon code BEARD to lock in 50% off the monthly price. Now, on with the show. So, cybersecurity defensive actions. A lot of these, I think, I know, I hope, are going to be commonplace, things that you already know about. However, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail, and I want to talk about how performing these defensive actions on our personal devices, primarily our PC, whether it be a Mac, a Linux, or a Windows machine, but also consider these same actions for your mobile devices, uh, primarily on endpoint protection that I'll get to. The first thing that you need to do uh, is make sure that you change default passwords on networking devices and any software that has logins. Mostly software that has logins is going to be monitoring tools like a SIM or HIDs or NIDs or some other product. However, there are some other commercial off-the-shelf pieces of software or freeware or shareware that may have uh, generic login information. You need to change that password. Just to explain how important this is, if you were to go out and just search on the internet using DuckDuckGo or uh, another uh, similar non-Google search engine, um, you will go ahead and find all kinds of information if you just search default passwords, default login, and they list vendor after vendor for how you can get in. It's one of the ways that um, hackers and crackers break into systems. They basically just do war driving, going by, you live in an apartment complex, you see all kinds of active SSIDs, uh, they're not protected, uh, or they are, uh, and you just use default passwords. Or if you can just crack the SSID using aircrack, um, you're now on the network, and then you can go onto the router and just change the SSID or do whatever you want. So again, make sure that you change those default passwords. This plays a critical role in the workforce, primarily for network and system administrators when they're setting up uh, devices. Vary your passwords per site. I touched on this a little bit when I talked about uh, password managers like KeePass and LastPass, and that's the only way to do this. We literally have hundreds of logins for different sites, different banking sites or gaming sites, email sites, sites that you go and uh, check other information, heck, logging into uh, YouTube, Google, whatever it is, you need to make sure that you're using different passwords. Same thing holds true in the workforce. This is really where the identity and access management profession has come into play. A lot of tools that are out there uh, are specific to uh, how to handle identities. Okta is one of the the main best known uh, products out there. Uh, these are designed not only for single sign-on, so you put in one password, but they're also designed to uh, accelerate and make it more efficient to gain access and authorization to devices. So um, vary your passwords at home, and then at work, understand the 
the coworker should be doing this as well. And IT should be running this through an IAM product. Again, Okta is, is a main one, but there's numbers of different packages out there that companies can use for identity and access management. Customize your SSID. So for those of us that are running Wi-Fi at home, uh, the SSID is normally broadcasted. That's the easiest way to do it. If you're in a mall or even the airport, uh, if you live in a, an apartment complex or townhomes or you have houses near you, you can sniff out and see what your neighbor's SSIDs are. The best and most secure way to handle this in a defensive manner is just hide your SSID. And then you have to just know what it is and the device you put in the SSID manually and then you put in the password and you connect so nobody can get on your network war driving because they would have to guess the SSID and the password. And heck, they wouldn't even know that you had a wireless network up there if you hid the SSID. So that is a uh, pretty advanced mechanism and maneuver. I strongly recommend it though, especially if you live really in a, in a high dense population area. Apartments are the best example. You could probably sniff networks going up five floors and down five floors. You could probably see hundreds hundreds of SSIDs, somebody could war drive from their couch. So protect yourself and hide your SSID. The next one that I want to talk about is enabling the default router uh, on your uh, workstation. It's a bit of a pain in the butt sometimes, but having that capability, not only do you have the firewall enabled on your network device, they call it a router. I'm fine with that. Sometimes they call it a modem. I hate that term. But whatever you're using as your POP, your point of presence, the device that is connecting to your ISP, uh, you should go ahead and um, make sure that uh, firewall is deployed and active and also make sure that your firewall is deployed and active on your workstations. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a double hit, double protection. One of the main things about putting the firewall on your endpoints is that if you do have an infection and somebody is compromised at home, let's say one of your kids went off to school, they were in college and they got a virus and now they're a botnet and they have a keylogger on there, they then come home, now your whole home network is at risk because of what they picked up at college. If you have firewalls on individual devices, that at least provides a level of protection. So again, enable the default firewall on your router, your point of presence, the POP device, and do the same on your workstation. I'll give this one point of information. There are a lot of um, am, uh, companies that are using AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or IBM Cloud to dispense patches. And some default firewalls don't like that. So as a personal example, I use Norton Firewall. I actually have to deactivate it when I want auto updates to happen for certain products because they won't go out. So if you do have a firewall enabled on your workstation and you're having trouble with updates, then go ahead and deactivate the firewall on the workstation. I don't have the issue with the, the router. Uh, I think it has to do with allowing more outbound traffic at the router level than at the workstation level. But keep that in mind. Even though it's a bit of a hassle, I definitely recommend it because having these firewalls up is a very important defensive mechanism. And then taking it back to the workforce, firewalls are usually the first and most important line of defense for nearly every organization. I personally have never run into a company that has any semblance of security and no firewall. So if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Knowing how to do it at home, knowing what a firewall is, understanding access control lists, knowing about five tuple. I'll let you look that one up for some homework. 5-T-U-P-L-E, uh, you know, knowing what ports and protocols are used, UDP, TCP, DNS, the OSI layer, all of this stuff is very important. So what you learn at home on the firewall and what you're doing personally has a direct impact also on what you are doing at work, especially if you are on the network team or dealing with some uh, semblance of uh, firewalls in the office. The next section of Cybersecurity Graybeard is brought to you by Populum. 
Populum is a collective of premium, full-spectrum CBD supplements, skin care, and pet products designed to be part of a daily wellness routine. There are all kinds of stories in the CBD market, and Populum promises that their ingredients are safe, tested, natural, and clean, with strong full-spectrum concentrations. From their dedicated farmers to their superior customer service team, they all have one mission, to create premium, ethical, and honest CBD. Populum offers a 30-day risk-free trial and free shipping on all orders. You can find Populum at Populum.com, P-O-P-U-L-U-M.com, and use the code CSGB for Cybersecurity Graybeard for 10% off your first order. I've personally used Populum for two and a half years because of plantar fasciitis and high blood pressure, and after using it for just a couple of weeks, my foot pain vanished and my blood pressure dropped. While I've tried other CBD brands, none provided the benefit that Populum does. Populum is the only CBD for me, and I recommend it for you. The next area of defensive actions revolves around log monitoring, and I put in HIDs in my notes and host intrusion detection system. I was using that at home, and I'll probably go ahead and put it up again just because it's, it's fun, it's good information, and it really allows me to see what's going on on all the systems. Now that the, uh, the kids are gone and I have four fewer workstations to deal with, it's not as important. But for those that want to play around, I would recommend you check out the freeware. It's called OSSEC. I'll put it in the notes, but it's ossec.net. Um, it's open system security, I believe. And it's a freeware hits product that works across the spectrum. What I did is I set up on the Linux box to be the HIDS server, and then my workstation, my laptop, my wife's laptop, I set those all up as HIDS clients, and they were dumping data to the Linux system. And oh, by the way, my other Linux lab system, as well as the server itself, were also endpoints, so I was able to go in and see what was going on. I basically turned this into a, a mini SIM, or security information and event management tool. The benefit of it is it looked for viruses and malware and spyware, some of the stuff I'll talk about coming up next, but it was an aggregated location, which was the benefit of it. And in the workforce, we see that in the NOC and the SOC, the Security Operations Center, or the Network Operations Center, where those individuals are monitoring logs regularly, and they have scores, if not hundreds or even thousands and tens of thousands of systems that are sending information. On a large deployment, you're going to need something like uh, IBM uses with their advanced threat disposition system for some AI that will collate and, and rule out a lot of false negatives and false positives. Uh, however, when you're only dealing with a handful of systems at home, it's easy enough just to look at it. If you're just dealing with one or two Windows systems, you can check out the Windows Event Viewer. If you have one or two Linux boxes, you can just check out Syslog. There's an aftermarket product that I use called K-Syslog. It's a little bit easier and cleaner to use. Or heck, you can just go into, I think it's VAR, Log, uh, then syslog and syslog1 and look at them manually. Uh, that's kind of boring and difficult. You're going through them individually, but check out some of these tools. But again, log monitoring is a defensive tool. If you're getting breached, you're going to see some of that activity in the logs. Uh, the other day I was doing some work in Linux and Kali actually. I tried to sudo a standard user and it said that user's not in the sudoers file, so we're now going to report it. Sure enough, it shows up in the logs. So uh, the, if somebody was monitoring this activity, they would see that I was performing a privileged escalation in an unauthorized fashion. So log monitoring, very important in the profession as well as at home for defensive action. The next one, critical backups. You got to back up your stuff. If people and companies would back up their data, there wouldn't be all these ransomware problems. Reinstoring, restoring, reinstalling is a cure for ransomware so long as your backups are not infected too. 
What we find out in the workforce is too often companies do not have backups. They have partial backups or the backups were infected as well because they didn't segregate it from the environment. So one story, uh, when I was working at a healthcare IT company, we did a backup verification service. I had a hospital that was in Indiana and they paid us $3,000. They sent us their tapes, we reviewed them, we restored what we could, we evaluated it, we compared the files to what they expected to see and we found nothing. This hospital we found out had not had a successful backup in seven years. This is not make-believe, this really happened. They had no backups for seven years because there was a, a misconfiguration in the uh, config file to do the backup. So it was grabbing the wrong directories or it wasn't grabbing what was necessary. So they weren't backing up the files they needed. $3,000 told them they had seven years of no backups. They never paid for the service again. They said, thanks, great. They fixed it and moved on. They didn't do it again. So they fixed it and thought, oh, we're protected forever. And even for just $3,000 for a hospital, they wouldn't pay it because they figured they were covered in other ways. They didn't care. They had other important things. You don't. Backups are the most important thing that you can do. If you lose your data, you're done. Companies nowadays run off of information. We need to make sure that it's backed up and whether you're backing it up off-site, whether you're backing it up in cold storage, whether you're backing up in a bifurcated network that's preventing replication of viruses or malware from hopping, great. This is the responsibility of system administrators and the server owners and the application owners. You need to understand how are you backing up, where is it backed up, and you need to test it. Don't just assume the backup works. You should do a restore at least quarterly, and I don't mean just look at it. You need to do a full restore, get a playground up, get some cheap cloud service, and restore your data, both personally and professionally. And what I recommend you also do is this, and this is what I do. I have a cold storage backup that I do about every quarter at home. I pull a external uh, SSD out of my safe, connect it to my computer, I dump all of my data, and then I move it back into my safe. Cloud is a way to go. However, you need to make sure if you're using Dropbox and you have Dropbox installed or a similar product, Box.com, uh, and it's installed on your computer, you run the risk if you have ransomware and you now have a map drive to your Dropbox, that could rant, uh, lock all of your um, Dropbox stuff as well. So make sure you have a semblance of bifurcation. The next one I wanna talk about is patching your systems and your applications, patch management. Patch management is probably the number one reason, and I'm not exaggerating. I really believe that if companies would patch their systems, patch their applications, they would not be breached at the rate that they are. A perfect example is Equifax. They knew that they had a, a web server that was uh, infected with an old version of a well-known product. They knew it for 90 days or 60 days. They didn't patch it. The hackers got in, wiped them out. And the Equifax breach, you can Google it, is one of the most um, amazing breaches ever. It stole financial records of 150 million Americans. Uh, so check it out. And that was because they didn't patch their system. So not only do we need to patch at home, we need to patch at work. And the more systems you have, the more apps you have, the harder it is. And it needs to be done. Uh, I did this the other day. I used a new product that I found called Sumo for software updates. And there's another one called Dumo for driver updates. I used to use Secunia PSI, but they went out in 2018. Sumo was the replacement that I was told to look at. I scanned, I personally had 70 applications that it identified and 30 of them were either majorly out of date or minorly out of date, meaning just a couple versions old. I patched everything that I could. Um, Dumo, I checked for my drivers. We need to do the same thing at home that we do in the workplace. 
We need to scan for the vulnerabilities. We need to patch them. We need to keep our software updated. We need to make sure that we're being responsible. Again, patch management, it's tied to system administration, application development, uh, and then the security operations centers. The, the, the security analysts are going to know about it because they're going to start to see breaches and problems that are impacting systems that are running old versions. Fortunately, some products will come out and they'll just stop working or they'll go end of life and you need to, you're forced to update, but that happens very few and far between. So make sure that you're scanning for vulnerabilities on your applications as well as on your drivers. Update the drivers, update your firmware, keep it all as fresh as possible. The more up to date you are, the fewer backdoors that you have, the more that you've patched, the more that you've protected, the more that you've secured. It's critical at home, it's critical in the workplace, and again, everything that you learn working on your home systems, you take to the workforce with patch management, endpoint protection, system administration, security analytics, identity and access management for the passwords that we talked about. All of these things correlate between the office and the home. The bad guys know what to attack. It is our responsibility to limit the threat vector and protect ourselves, our friends, our families, and our businesses. The more we know about protecting personal devices, the better suited we are in the workplace. So again, there are all kinds of areas that we need to look out for. Just to reiterate, change the default passwords, vary your passwords, customize your SSID and hide it if you really want some privacy in a high density area. Enable the default router firewall, activate the firewall on your endpoints, do log monitoring, back up your information, patch the systems and the applications, update your malware signatures, your antivirus software, scan for vulnerabilities, update the drivers and firmware, have a clean and healthy environment to protect yourself from an attack, and do the same thing in the office. Thanks a lot for listening, and this has been the Cybersecurity Graybeard.